0: Hey there, and welcome to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We're going to be spending the next few moments together in the presence of God, in the Word of God, and in what God wants to do in your life. If we can do anything for you, or you just want to learn more about us, visit our website at reallifespokane.com. Let's jump in to this week's message. And I am glad to be here with you. Happy New Year, Real Life. You excited to be here? Uh, I'm excited that you're here. My name is Richie, our lead pastor and. Uh, I just get excited about new beginnings. I get excited about what God could do. I love to look forward at what might happen, and, and man, it just gets me so, so excited for what God has done and, and looking ahead. Man, I just, I'm excited for today. And I, I really believe with all my heart that God has you here for a reason. This is not an accident today. This is not just some great idea that God wanted you here and has something in mind for each of you, to speak to you, to reveal himself to you, make himself known right where you are today. Whatever your story has been, whatever you have going on in your life, our God is so good, so loving, so understanding of everything and every person uh, that he knows exactly what he wants to do in your life today. Here's my ask, is that you would come today with a sense of expectancy, that you would be uh, a soft heart today, like, God, I really want you to move in my life and, and, and work in my heart today. Uh, come with a sense of anticipation. If you could do that, uh, man, God loves to meet that heart in that place and speak and reveal himself. I've been prepping all week and working toward this day and this moment and excited for to give my very best to this moment. Here's what I do, though. Giving all that I can is still not enough, knowing that it's going to take a miracle of God to meet you right where you are. Uh, Man, we have a really cool opportunity today to see how God is going to speak and move in each of our lives. We're kicking off this year with a conversation really about your worth, about your value, about who you are, who you're made to be, uh, really what makes up your value and your worth. I'm, I'm praying and hoping that we walk out of here today confident established in who God sees us to be and the worth and the value that God has declared over our lives, that we don't walk into 2023 insecure about last year and all the brokenness in our lives and all the mistakes that we've made, but that we stand today confidently in the love of God. Think about insecurity. It ruins everything. We do stupid stuff when we're insecure, don't we? Say dumb stuff. We 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 compare ourselves, and then we try to we try to kind of mimic or or act like somebody we're not. We 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 do a think about. I have a question. What gets you insecure? Just think about that for a moment. You don't need to answer out loud, please. Uh, but I just want you to think about this. Like, is it a person? Is it a social post that you've seen recently? You compare yourself to it, and you're like, oh. Maybe it's a a mistake at work that you made that gets you insecure. Maybe it's a relationship that's fallen apart that you thought was going to last for forever. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution that has already crumbled in eight days. What gets you insecure? Maybe it's pain from your past. Maybe it's the divorce that your parents just went through. Maybe it's it's. It's a relationship that you anticipated being there for you totally left you hanging. There's a lot of things that get our hearts kind of anxious and antsy and and on edge and worried about what people think and if our life is where it's supposed to be. And maybe you're thinking, I should have been there by now or I should have been a lot further than, than this place right here by now. But what gets you insecure? I think about this question. It gets me excited for this story in Joseph's life. If you've got your Bible or Bible app on your phone today, turn to Genesis chapter 37. Uh, if you don't really understand the Bible, it's the very first book in the Bible. All of you singing Father Abraham better understand where this is at. All you church people, man, I was impressed. There's a lot of you that knew that song. Um, Genesis 37 is where we're going to be at today. The story of Joseph is one that encourages us because there's a lot of broken circumstances in Joseph's life. But God's love remains on his life. God's purpose prevails in his life. There's a lot of difficulty. There is a lot of betrayal. There is a lot of hardship in his story. But but through all of that, God's grace, provision, God's power, his love is unchanging. And I get excited. Thinking about each of our stories and all the things that we're navigating and circumstances that we're trying to figure out and and really looking at this story as a source of hope and strength and confidence for each of our lives. See, we, we come in here on Sundays like this different. We don't come in just to check a religious box and go through church motions and hope that our performance kind of helps God like us a little bit more. We're actually here to be spoken to by God himself, through his word, by his spirit. We're here to be changed, called, empowered, sent out into our week on a mission to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. I, I really believe that God's people are a called people and an empowered people. But when we're insecure, man, we got none of that. We just survive a day, survive a week, Hope that it goes better next week. I love that we get to do this so much differently. I've said that vision reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. I've said that probably a million times over the last twelve years <laughs> we were We were uh, interviewing some potential elders as a team a couple weeks ago, and it was so funny. I asked him about, you know, the purpose of Jesus' church, and what do you think God's called his church to be like? He gives this long, elaborate, theological, amazing answer, and he finishes, one person at a time. <laughs> because we've said this vision so many times, right? It's like this, this sense of like, oh, God, we know you want us to do this thing, but it's kind of overwhelming to think of the entire world being changed through little old us. We're just Spokane. We're, we're just here on the north side. We're just, just this little family with just this little bit going on in our, in our lives. And it's so easy to kind of just maybe step back from that vision and not really think it's possible. But then, like, I, I get a little glimpses. We get glimpses sometimes where it's like, no, God is actually up to something supernatural. Like today, for instance, Grayson, one of our group's directors here, is, is on a plane right now flying to Ethiopia. Many of you know we planted a church in Ethiopia a few years ago, and he's on his way there now to encourage, meet with, uh, look at next steps there with the church that we planted in Ethiopia. Planted in one of the darkest valleys in northern Ethiopia, Uh, witchcraft has been the thing of this 170,000-person valley, and lives are being radically changed by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ in this valley. Kabobo, our church planter, his family are right in the middle of a miracle, and we have a part of our team that's going over there to look at these next steps and how God might continue to use us to actually reach the world for him one person at a time. And I think about how cool it is that not only is it a big church thing, but there's also a really cool moment that Grayson's going to get to experience. Many of you adopted kids with us through Compassion just a year or so ago. And, and when we did that, we adopted kids all around our church plant in Ethiopia, within just like a 10-mile radius of our church plant. And um, he's going to get to meet the little girl that he and his wife adopted uh, just a year ago. How cool is that, right, that there is one person over there whose life is being impacted through such a such a kind of simple moment of faith and a moment of obedience and excitement about being a part of this mission. See, this vision is real. And it's something that drives us to go, God, we want to look at 2023 with a sense of excitement. I don't want to get stuck in my insecurities and miss out on what God is wanting to do through us as his church. I don't want you to get stuck in your insecurities. I really believe that God wants to do something supernatural this year. In fact, that's why we're going to start this year in prayer. If you didn't if you saw my email, my note that went out this last week, we're going to actually do a 24-hour prayer vigil here in this building this coming weekend. All night Friday night. We'll start at 6:30 Friday and run all through the night till 6:30 at night Saturday night. We'll do a worship and prayer time at the end of that, that last hour and a half, five to six thirty saturday night and man i want to fill this place with god's prayer and really faith believing for what god is going to do in this year not insecure and lacking confidence and, and and just worried about little old life like god you said that that you've called us to change to see this world reach for you by your love and your grace one person at a time god we are trusting that this year as we started in prayer that you're gonna do something supernatural. I want you to be a part of this. You can sign up in the lobby today for an hour time slot. We'll have stations all through here so you can pray through that hour. Some of you are like, I've never prayed for five minutes. How am I gonna do it? We'll help you, we promise. We will help you and it'll be amazing. I wanna call you to fast during that same 24 hours, to not eat food, to really dedicate your body into a posture of desperation. That's what fasting does. It puts you in a posture of need. God, I need you. My hunger is reminding me of how much I need you. Amen? We like food in this place. And, uh, man, it's such a cool spot uh, to be able to be. So I look at this and I just go, God, there's going to be a really cool year if you can get us established in our worth and our value and who you see us to be. Establish us in confidence and in faith, not insecure, chasing our tails. Think about the miracles that God can do. The miracles that we need in our lives, in our stories. One of our other pastors, James, and his wife, Mia, are in a place of desperate need for a miracle right now. Their youngest son, seven is his name, is just over a year old and got a really bad infection, meningitis, and went into his brain and just swole everything up and took away all of his function and... Um, by God's grace, the infection is going away and the swelling is going down, but to restore seven back to seven that we all know him to be the laughing, the fun, the mobility, everything, they need a miracle. I just look at this as an opportunity for us to go, God, this could be a powerful year. We need you to show up in a miraculous way. My wife's family is all mourning this weekend because. Pops, her grandpa, uh, passed away yesterday. And long battle with cancer led to his death finally. And there's a sense of relief, you know, like, ah, he's in heaven. He's finally home. He's free of all the pain and all the suffering. But at the same time, the loss just it gets heavy sometimes. It would be so easy for our lives to just kind of crumble under the circumstances that we're all navigating. But think about today's opportunity that we have. To go, God, show us through Joseph's story, through this picture, what it looks like to be a people who know our worth, who stand confidently, who who walk in a strength and a sense of of, of confidence in who you see us as. So I want to look at this story with you today. Would you look at Genesis chapter 37 with me? And just with that simple prayer in your heart, God, establish a confidence in me today. Listen to this story. Joseph is about 17 when uh, we find him here in Genesis chapter 37. His family has got herds and flocks, and they they shepherd them all throughout the the region there. This is a special family, God's God's chosen ones, in fact. And uh, his father loves Joseph actually more than all the other brothers. He's the youngest of 12, if you can believe it. All these boys are are just you know amazing young men, and Joseph being the youngest, uh, his father's just so pleased that he was born to him at such a such an old age. The father was that that he decided to just pour out his love and his favor on this youngest. Not normal in that culture. Normally, it's the oldest that garners all the, the dad's favor and attention. But Joseph's dad made him this coat. It's all these colors on it. It's this is symbol of like love. That's my son. That's the one I've chosen. That's the one I'm proud of. That's the one I just so, so, just like kind of like mesmerized by. And all of his other brothers hate him because of it. Then Joseph starts having dreams. He has a dream where uh, he he comes to his brothers. He's like, guys, you're not going to believe this dream I had last night. It was so good. We were all out in the uh, in the field harvesting all these uh, sheaves of grain, and my sheaf of grain stood up tall, and all of your sheaves of grain all I like, gathered around and started bowing down in front of my sheaf of grain. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says, and they hated him all the more. <laughs> then he has another dream, and and. Um, He tells it to his father and to his brothers. He's like, Dad, you're never going to guess. I had a dream last night. And and the sun and the moon and 11 stars, they were all bowing down to me. His father is like beside himself, like, you think we're going to serve you and bow down to you as brothers? Like, what are you talking about? The Bible says brothers hated him even more, if that was even possible. And, and, And it was just kind of this, like, family dynamics just went out the window, right? Like, everything's on edge. Older brothers go out to shepherd the flocks. They're a long ways off, and dad says to Joseph, hey, I want you to go check on your brothers, please. And so he sends off, he's out on a journey trying to find his brothers. It takes him a couple days to catch up with them, and soon he catches up with them, and the older brothers see him, and they say, oh, here, here comes Joseph. Here comes that dreamer, they call him. Let's get rid of him. Brothers plot to kill him. Like, we're done with this guy. He's a joke. We don't want none of him. Let's get just. We'll just say a wild animal ate him or something. It's the wilderness. It's what happens, right? And 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 so one of the other brothers kind of comes to his rescue. He's like, "Bro, let's not let's not kill him. He's our own flesh and blood. He's our brother. Let's just throw him into a pit." (laughs) Great plan, right? Way better. Thanks for rescuing me, brother. And so they they do. They strip him of his colored coat, this prized possession, marking his favor and his love and his grace from his dad. And they strip him of it, and they throw him in a giant cistern, this deep pit for water that was totally dry. And they sit down to have lunch, because that's what you do after you betray your brother. <laughs> and... Um, While they're eating, there's a a caravan of slave traders going by, and they're on their way to Egypt, and one of the brothers has a great idea. Hey, let's sell him. Let's not just leave him in a pit to rot. Let's actually make some money off of him. This is getting more devious all the time, isn't it? And and so they do. They pull him up out of the pit. They sell him into slavery, just a few coins. It's really not that much money at all. Uh, And and they find his robe. They, They kill a goat, and they spread blood all over it. And they're like, hey, Dad, I don't know what happened. Is this your son's coat? Father's beside himself, mourning. Meanwhile, Joseph, sold to those slave traders, travels to Egypt and is sold into slavery at Potiphar's house, the captain of the guard in Egypt. This is the story from God's Word. This is a little bit to unpack here, don't you think? Let's pray and let's ask God for some help in this. Lord, we ask you to speak. Thank you for this moment to hear from you, have your word come alive to us. I pray, God, that you would meet every single person here exactly where they are, that you would speak to us, God, that you would reveal yourself to us, that your word would come alive, that your spirit would be powerfully working here. God, that we would walk out of here changed people today, empowered people, confident people, God. We're trusting that you're going to meet us in this time. We just love you so much, Jesus, in your name. Can you say amen today? My wife and I were at the ER a few weeks ago, And we witnessed something that was, it was special. We were there, and and I don't know if you've been to the ER in Spokane, but it's kind of an adventure in the ER. All you medical professionals know exactly what I'm talking about. Lots of different people, lots of different issues, lots of brokenness, lots of pain, lots of fear. People there with no idea what's happening or why they're sick or what's going on in their lives, people there. Um, with all kinds of addiction and brokenness. And this this night was, was like that. It was chaotic. And uh, my wife and I are waiting, and so we're just kind of observing. There was a young man that was there in the lobby waiting as well, and he was clearly strung out on some sort of drug, vomiting his beard all down his shirt, laying on the ground, rolling around, yelling, getting up, walking around, like clearly beside himself. And most people... We're avoiding him like the plague in the lobby. Very unsightly, smelled very bad, very disruptive. And there's um, a woman in her late 50s, early 60s that's um, in charge of the intake there. She's She's getting vitals for all the the incoming patients before they are seen by a doctor. And so she has a little window and a seat there and people sit down and they take their blood pressure and do all their vital signs in that in that place. And soon this young man is called by this woman over to her window and he sits down in her chair and he's kind of trying to stay in her chair, if you know what I mean. She hooks on the blood pressure cuff and, and, and begins to talk to this young man. This is where it just got so powerful for us because Soon she's not just administering and getting the, the vital signs from this young man. She's got her hand on his shoulder, and soon she's kind of rubbing her, his back and just listening intently and beginning to ask him these questions about who he is and what his story is, and soon you could see tears just streaming down his face. We listen real closely, and you could hear her just whispering to him, you don't need to kill yourself. You're so valuable. God loves you so much. She just has her hand on his shoulder, kind of rubbing the top of his back. And you just hear him just visibly just sobbing as this woman is just speaking this truth over his life. She grabs his shoulder, and then two of them bow in a few moments of prayer. To witness this ministry happening in the middle of the chaos was so powerful because seeing this young man struggle with a sense of identity and sense of worth. And being spoken to about it was so moving for my wife and I just to watch the kind of ministry that was happening in the middle of very real, ordinary life. It wasn't in some sacred church service like this. It was right there in the lobby of the ER. A life was being impacted and changed by the, the love of God that was pouring through this woman. I think about our stories, and when we get insecure, how how easy it is for us to kind of give up on our purpose, give up on our sense of identity, our sense of worth and value, sense of calling and purpose, and just kind of flail our way through days and and months and maybe even years, you might look back at 22 with maybe a sense of uh, guilt or embarrassment about the way the year went and the way you flailed and the way that that your life was just kind of on a roller coaster without much control or certainty or confidence at all. And I look at this story in Joseph's life and go, man, I can't imagine being in the pit. Can you? My brothers that I look up to so much all just... They just ambushed me. They stripped me of this coat and they throw me in the picture. Maybe I shouldn't have told them about the dreams, but come on. 17-year-old. This devastating moment. And then not only that, you hear them chatting about killing me or selling me, and they decide to sell me. You can imagine the caravan ride all the way to Egypt, just this sense of worthlessness and this sense of, betrayal and the overwhelming sense of like, who am I really? Am I even worth anything? I, I guess I am a slave. That's all I'm worth is just slavery and servant. And I, 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 you can imagine his heart, his mind just unraveling in this. I Just think about value, worth. You know what worth is? It's what somebody decides to pay for an item, for a service, for a good. It's what really the, the value is determined by the purchaser, isn't it? I'll give you an example. I paid $13 at the car wash this week. Inevitably, it's right before it snows or starts to pour rain like it is today, right? But you know what? It's worth it to me because my car just feels faster after I get the grime off. You know what I'm talking about? $13. Bucks. Usually we wash it all summer long in the driveway, but in the winter, you know, hoses, freezing, all that stuff's not good. So, so, so every once in a while, we'll get to the car wash, and it is the greatest thing in the world. All you frugal people are like, 13 bucks, bro, that's a lot of money. College students in the room, you're like, bro, that's like a week's worth of food. I get it. I get it. But, but, but just hear me out on this. It's worth 13 bucks to me because that's what I was willing to pay for it. Value is determined by the one who is paying for that item, that service, that good. When you and I look at our worth, it's important for us to not just view it through the lens of our limited perspective, that we would actually view it through the lens of God's story. Here's a story of Joseph's life where his father decided that he was going to love this son. I'm going to put a coat on him. I'm going to let everybody know that I love this son. I'm going to go against tradition where I should be loving the older brother, the oldest with all of this love and all this joy, but I'm deciding, you know what, this is the one that I'm picking that I love. As Joseph's riding on his way to Egypt, being sold into slavery, I I wonder if he could remember the love that his father has for him. It's evident in the story by the way the father weeps and mourns. He's inconsolable. Friends and family are coming to him like, hey, it's going to be okay, and he refuses to be consoled because of his grief over the loss of his son. When I look at the love of the Father in the story of Joseph, I think it gives us a sense of worth and value to reflect on in our own lives. That that when you and I look at what we are worth, it's it's really us understanding that the Father's love in our lives is not dependent on our performance nor our circumstance. I want you to hear this. Because many times we look at our lives and we go, Well, I've been kind of a failure lately. No wonder I'm so insecure. I compare myself to those people and what they have and how successful they are. No wonder I'm insecure. And we look at our performance as a determiner of our value, but our Father in heaven has already made a decision about you. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and I, that God in his love made a decision, you know what these people are worth to me? You know what you are worth to me? You are worth my son dying on the cross to save you from your sin. I will send him even while you're still sinning and flailing in his life. I will send my son on your behalf to make you right with me in heaven. Our father in heaven has declared your value ahead of time. It's not dependent on your performance, how yesterday went. It's not dependent on success or your future. God has made a decision about you that he loves you. This is good news, right? that you can actually disconnect your heart from all the performance and all the pressure and all the sense of achievement. Like, oh, I I don't have to base my value and my worth off of how well I do in this life, that I can actually stand confident and secure because my Father in heaven has made a decision about me, just like Joseph's dad made a decision about him. I love him. I know it's throwing all the tradition out the window, but I love him. I don't care what any of you think. I love him. Our Father in heaven has made that same kind of decision about you. That you are loved. I I love Psalm 139. David writes, you have created my inmost being, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Listen. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every single one of your days, God saw in advance, planned, ordained, put together, and wrote down. There's some love in that. What's so good about this is the love of God is not conditional, dependent on your performance. I hope you get it right, and then we'll see if I love you he decided a long time ago. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why is this so important? Because life is constantly after us. Pressure is constantly on us. Successes and failures are coming and going. In fact, this life is much like a roller coaster, isn't it? And when we get on that roller coaster emotionally, we are a wreck. We are all over the place. You have highs and you have lows, you have turns, you have things that are circumstances that are happening. You have great days and lots of discipline and, oh yeah, I'm killing it today. And then you have days of absolute laziness and horrible performance, right? And you just barely make it to bed that night, and, and you can't even live with thoughts of, of, your, of yourself and how you've been, and it's so easy to get on that roller coaster and just ride it for all it's worth. And when we connect our worth and our value to performance, we're really kind of a mess. We're high, we're low, we are, we are, we are emotionally a, just a mess. We are all over the place. And what's so important about this conversation, is that we get to make a decision to put our hope not in our performance and in our sense of self-worth, but we get a chance to actually hear objectively how God is determined in advance to love us. He has set the value on your life, the sense of worth in your life. He has determined in advance what you are worth, the the, the days that he has ordained, the things that he has written down about your life. God has already made all that determination about who you are and how he sees you. It is not conditional and dependent on your performance nor on your circumstance that you and I could actually get off the roller coaster emotionally. Think of this. You can actually get off of the, the crazy ride. And, and you can start to live each day with a sense of confidence. My God loves me. He chose me. He has plans for me. I'm going to be obedient to what he calls me to today. But, but but, no matter what is happening in the craziness of this world, I don't have to get on the thing and write it for all it's worth. I can actually stand confidently, walk into this new year confidently. No matter how broken my story has been, no matter how, how crazy things are right now in my world, in our world, in this place, in, in, in your work, whatever the circumstances, maybe the marriage is not happening the way you thought it would happen, you actually have a chance to step off of the crazy and just settle your heart and be confident in who God has already determined you to be. This is powerful. That you you could walk confidently this year knowing, ah, my performance doesn't dictate my worth. My circumstances don't dictate my worth. Joseph, how much of his life could have just been, right, my brothers threw me in the pit sold me into slavery, living a life of bitterness because of the betrayal that he's experienced? How much of Joseph's life would have been very normal if he just held on to this hurt, all this pain, all the things that have been done to him? I think it's important for you and I to recognize that the pit that you're in or the, the brokenness that you've experienced in your story, they are a part of your story, but they are not your story. Identity. And you kind of have to let this just settle in for a second. Because for many of us, our story has become our identity. The things that have been done to us. The things people have said about us. The way things have always gone. For some of you even to think about 2023, it's really hard to get excited because you look back at 2022 and 20 years before that and the way it's always gone. And it's now kind of subtly, the roller coasters become who you are. And I believe that God is wanting to disconnect our hearts from our circumstance and our performance and all these factors that try to control your heart, your emotions, your confidence, get you super insecure, and just establish your heart today in one place, the love of God. you are loved God decided to love you God made a decision about you that you are worth sending his son to die for you That your identity is not in all the brokenness the pit that you've been in your identity is in the love of God as we fast forward into Joseph's story you'll start to see Though this could have been a defining moment of pain and bitterness and misery for the rest of his story, God just continues to redeem these broken moments over and over and over again. Joseph's a part of a much larger story, just like you are. See, God was trying to move his people from where they were into Egypt to protect them through a really difficult time in history. Joseph had no idea that there was a really difficult time in history coming in just a few years. All he knew is that he got thrown into a pit and sold into slavery. But in God's view, he had, he had this plan that he was working out these days that he had ordained and that he had written down already in his book about Joseph's life and how he was going to get him from to that, that land that they were living in into Egypt to protect his people from the famine and all the craziness that was about to go down all over the world. See, we can't see what God sees. We don't know what he's written down in his book. We don't understand all of that. And so what it takes is you and I just having a confidence to get off the roller coaster and go, God, you're good, you're in control. You have a heart, a passion for this life. You love me, you've called me. and I'm not going to get sucked into everything that's been. I love how Paul says it in Philippians 3. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I'm gonna press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That you and I would look into this next year with a sense of confidence. God, all my circumstances, all that stuff that's gone on, it's gone on. But your love has never changed. Can you get that in your heart today? Can you get that in the way you make decisions? Can you get that into your like, sense of confidence and worth? God loves me. He chose me. He knows me. He has plans for me. He's ordained my every day. Oh God, I can't wait to see what you do in this life. But more than that, can't wait to see what you do through this life just like the young man in the ER I'm so thankful that that woman wasn't locked up in insecurity worried about her own life and story and self-worth that she was filled with the love of God and was able to see that young man for who he really is aren't you glad that she was able to take a breath beyond her story and look at his story and go, oh, this man needs to know God's love. You see, we are called to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And when we get insecure and all wrapped up in our own lives and our own brokenness and pain and things from our past, you know what we're missing is the opportunity to get the love of God through us to the people around us. Your school could actually be changed this year because the love of God is pouring through you into your friends' lives. Your family could actually be miraculously transformed this year because the love of God is established in your heart and you're not tippy-toeing, insecure around everyone you know. You actually have a confidence to be loved by God and begin to love other people the way that you have been loved. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give. That this life would be a life of love, we're not just self-consumed and self-preserving that we would actually become self-sacrificial these lives would be laid out as an offering for our god god you've loved me freely now get this love through me to everyone i know god forgive me for just kind of getting all up in my head i get off the roller coaster today and i make a decision to stand in the confidence that you love me that you have called me by name and that you have purpose for this life i'm gonna walk into this year with that And clap, yes, yes, Lord, yes, yes, God. You got some decisions to make. Some of you have not received the love of God. It starts in a place of humility and repentance. It says, I'm gonna, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. I give you all my sin. Thank you for giving me your perfection in exchange for all of my sinfulness. It's called repentance. Acknowledging that, the love of God begins to fill your heart. Somebody who has the love of God in their heart just can't help but want to obey Jesus with all of our lives. You you saved me. This life is yours. It's marked by baptism. Last year, you know, we got to baptize 72 people in the water, in Jesus' name. There's a lot of souls that are being changed. Last service already, another person said, let's go. It's 2023, I'm ready to live for Jesus. If you are not yet baptized, that's really the mark of you saying, Jesus, I wanna walk in the love of God. I'm making a decision to follow you wholeheart. Some of you, your decision is to get connected with some people. You know, we get on the roller coaster, and many times we don't even realize we're on it for a few days. You know the value of a good friend? is like, "You, get, get off. The value of a small group, a connect group. 530 people were connected in groups around here last year, and I really believe that God wants you to be in relationships where you can get off the roller coaster, and people can remind you of your value, your worth, how God sees you. You need people around you. You watch the wise, becomes wise. Companion of fools suffers harm because fools are like, let's ride the roller coaster. Some of you need to get serving. You've been so insecure that all you can think about is yourself. It's the enemy's trap, it's his ploy. You need to get serving to remind yourself no, 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 the love of God needs to roll through me, flow through me to people around me. That's what church is all about, is getting people collectively, serving together, making an impact together, adopting kids in Ethiopia together, seeing lives change collectively. It's miraculous. Praying at the 24-hour prayer vision. Get serving. I want to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet with me today, real life? Jesus, you see every heart here. You know every story. everything, God, that we've been in and through and every pit that we feel like we are currently in, God, that your love has never stopped. Your story is not thwarted. The things you wrote in that book long ago, God, of our lives and of every day that you've ordained, God, we just just settle our hearts in today as your confidence would just rest in every soul in this room that a sense of urgency and conviction, God, would rise in our hearts, that, God, you've loved us. We even know what love is because you first loved us. Your love has been lavished on us, poured out over and over and over again, God, an unconditional love, God, that is never going to change. Nothing can separate us from your love, God. I pray, God, just your confidence over your church this year a sense of conviction calling sense of urgency god would just rest in our hearts for this year for lives to be loved people to be saved lives to be transformed by your goodness and your grace god i pray that you would raise up god the next generation of your church right here in this room the future leaders of pastors people that you're going to call god by name to lead the way in your church god we would not sit passively by, consumed with ourselves, God. But we would become a people of love. Oh God, forgive us and send us. We trust you, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for today, God. And I love you for life. How are you feeling? Feeling confident? That was my prayer is that we walk out here confident today. Man, if God's got it on your heart to get baptized, our team would love to meet you in the back right now. We've got shirts, shorts, towels, everything you need. Take that step today. Team's going to lead us in a time of worship. Let's respond to what God is doing in our hearts today. Come on, let's sing. Head to the back if you're getting baptized.